Hey. Stop. And welcome. No. To. No. The AT Banter. Podcast. I'm Stan Steve. I'm your host. Fine, <laughs> <laughs> you can play that game. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything regarding assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. But seriously, folks, hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Banter, banter. Banter. I am Rob Minot, and joining me today, as always, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Howdy. And Mr. Steve Barkley. Howdy doody. Uh, it's Monday. Yay. It's Monday, it's the end of the month. Short week. Exciting. Auspicious. Woohoo. Happy Easter, everybody. What was that? Was that? Something, something. Something fell down upstairs. That's Benji throwing his toys across the floor. Is that what it is? Yeah. What, what does he play with chairs? What the hell? <laughs> he's got a poultry. He's guy. got like a ceramic dinosaur type thing he picks up and hurls. That's probably a bad idea to give your dog a ceramic toy. <laughs> well, that's a hard plastic toy. It's not ceramic, but yeah, he loves it. Ceramic. Something to chew on. Yeah, clearly. Um, all right. Well, uh, wh- hey, Ryan. What? We got a busy show today. <laughs> Do we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you kept piling the news on, yeah, so it should a be lot, a long show. We got a lot. Of t- well, tell the fine folks what we're doing today. Well, today is our monthly news show, right. so we have a bunch of news topics we're going to discuss and get our opinions on. Mm-hmm. Because everybody loves our opinions. That's right. <laughs> Except my wife. But she's gone I'm still, pretty, isn't That's she? true. Yeah, she's still she's still out of the country. So. You can be as lippy as you want. I am in control of my own <laughs> destiny for another two days. Yeah, that's why you spent the entire weekend doing laundry. I, well, there's that. <laughs> hey, you, you for do. the first time, I think, in, in years, I'm caught up on laundry. <laughs> <laughs> I got one kid, one wife away. It's just me and me and Mike and... Yeah, I caught up on laundry. So now, does your laundry <laughs> does your laundry include folding, or do you just include like just it's just the washing, the drying, and then just piling I, I, it? I have folded. I have matched socks. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, yeah. that's the fold. That's I've a full meal deal. I've stripped the bed, done all the bedding. Whoa. Yeah. Man. Hardcore man. Productive weekend. You betcha. Yeah. Washed the floors. Holy cow. Yeah. Vacuumed. Excellent. Wow. Well, let's try to earn some brownie points. Damn straight. <laughs> yeah, but he did it all drunk. So, I mean, so it's probably she's gonna, like drunk, drunk vacuuming is much different than and <laughs> making the bed drunk is very. Why are the, why is the pillowcase on the duvet? <laughs> I deny nothing. <laughs> hey, and uh, it's an exciting day today, too, because for the first time since uh, the closure of Aroga Technologies, uh-huh. we once again have Jingle Sticks. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Hold on. Yeah. Let's, yeah. All right. So all right. I might want to do it, but okay. Right. Yeah, that's right. We have, so for those people who may not be familiar with the Jingle Stick, all the way back to our Christmas episode, I don't know what episode it was. 
But uh, yeah, we handcrafted, handcrafted jingle sticks for our musical number, and uh, we found one. Yeah, let me let me play you in here, okay? Okay, All go. Right. <laughs> there you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Woo. All right. We can just go jingle home now. Jingle stick solo. Yeah. So now we have jingle sticks and a cowbell. Wow. That's right. So it's double jeopardy. There is no stopping us now. <laughs> there really isn't. The guitar dungeon. We should really turn this into a recording studio. We should really do that in our. This this is, is a, a recording, recording studio. studio. Well, <laughs> yeah, but it's, but we were recorded something other than the podcast. I guess that is what I'm saying. I do. Uh, all right. Well, we should dive into things because we got a lot to talk about today. Um, but first up, uh, we got a voicemail. We did? No. Yeah, we did. Well, it's kind of a voicemail. Uh, somebody recorded a MP3 message and, and sent it to our email address, which is, of course, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, so I guess what I'll do is I'll, I'll just play it for you guys, and then I want to get your guys' response. Okay. All right. Hey, guys. This is Beth. And I first want to say how much I enjoyed Podcast 93. I always enjoy you guys' podcasts. And I am so excited about the Canute getting so close to actually being on the market. One of my mottos is yay for choice. Dave Williams said that a braille display shows you, of course, one line of continuous braille and then you go to the next line and that's continuous braille. Not always. Human wears displays, that was true. I could never get it to do anything other than that. For example, I'm going to start a new file here. I have a Braille Edge 40 by Hims. I'm going to write in grade two, Mary had a little lamb comma next line. Its fleece was white as snow comma next line and everywhere that Mary went comma the lamb was sure to go period New line, new line, braille is beautiful, exclamation, new line, new line, we are having rain and maybe snow coming, period. Now, with human wares displays, you would have seen a continuous line of braille every single time it would have been, you would have had the EDP sign to indicate where a new line was, but you wouldn't have actually seen blank space. I'm going to hit um, space L to go to the beginning of this, and I'm going to read, Mary had a little lamb, comma, and there's a bunch of blank space on the display. I could count how many characters could be placed on this line if I wanted to by counting the number of cursor routing keys above the blank part of this line. I'm not going to do that, but I could. So now I'm going to hit the advance button to go down. Its fleece was white as snow. Again, there's quite a bit of empty space. 
And I'd say in that case, it's about half the line empty. For the first line about Mary had a little lamb, it was probably three quarters of the line. Now to the third line, and everywhere that Mary went, and I had at least one error there, but I didn't correct it, there's about half an empty line. Hit the down advance button, the lamb was sure to go. About half the line. Then there's a whole empty line. Hit the down button again. Braille is beautiful, exclamation point. A little over half the line empty. Hit the down advance bar again, empty line. And hit it one more time. We are having rain and maybe snow coming. And there's just a little bit of line left. So you really can get formatted Braille on the hymns units. And that's why hymns is my favorite. Because now, true, you cannot do equations on it, but you can see empty places. You can indent if you want to, and you'll see actual spaces. You won't see a sign, an indent sign. So I just wanted to show that to you guys. I think it's pretty cool. Keep up the great work. Bye. Well, thanks. Now, what she's talking about, that's, that's a function of the screen reader, not necessarily the Braille display itself, right? Well, I don't know because the Braille Edge does have a notepad built into it, mm -hmm. right? So she's probably doing the note editing right on the Braille Edge, no screen reader involved. She could potentially be doing that, Because yeah. it has the Perkins keyboard. So when she does the new line, new line, if there is no screen reader involved, she's just using the dedicated Braille display. Mm -hmm. And it's showing her the formatted Braille, the spaces, the indents, all that stuff. Whereas the humanware stuff, like she says, is just a continuous line of Braille after Braille after Braille. It doesn't show you that stuff. Yeah. But I also don't think the Brailleians have notepads built in. No, they don't. So it's kind of a, not a, a, a true comparison, I guess, of Braille display. Yeah, because I think um, the way that she describes the humanware uh, display just showing continual text, um, I think you could have that same thing on the hymns display as well. Um but it's just a setting in the screen reader. Yeah, if you're using the screen reader. So yeah. if your Braille edge is connected to the PC and the screen reader is driving the Braille, yeah. then yeah, anything that you're editing on the screen reader side in Word or Notepad or whatever is going to be reflected on the, on the display. But again, if she's using just the display's note-taking ability, then you know there is no screen reader. Gotcha. Right. So let me ask you this. To bring it back to talking about the Canute again, how much of an impact do you guys see the Canute having on the, the the Braille display, Braille note taker market? Well, I personally, you know, A, it's not a true Braille display, so you can't connect it to a PC and use, you know, JAWS or system access or anything with it. Yet. Right. It's an e-reader. So I think for people who are accessing e-books, e-pub books, and having access to the formatting of that book on a Canute is phenomenal. They're going to be able to see the indents and the line spacing and all that formatted text. Nothing else does that. But no, I, I did notice on the on the Twitter feed for CSUN, I did notice that Canute uh, was making a bit of a splash there. A lot of people were talking about it and uh, looking at, at it. Uh, so, um, you know, I do think, I, I do get the sense that there's definitely some excitement about it. Mm -hmm. For sure. But it's a different, but you're supposed, so I guess what you're saying is that it is a very different animal than, than a dedicated Braille display. At this point, yep. Well, so you say at this point, so do you, do you feel like there's just a few bits of functionality that could be built into the Canute that could actually make it 
compete with a Braille display? I think, you know, once they add a few more file formats, because I think Dave said they support BRF files at the moment. That's right. So if they support, you know, Word, Doc, DocX, RTF, TXT, HTML, and as Steve mentioned, you know, the ability to connect it to a computer and use it as a Braille display, you know, A, it's, I don't know, under $2,000 Canadian or U.S. at this point. So it is one of the cheaper Braille display options for, well, it's the only full page Braille display option at this point, at that price point. So it could be a game changer. Yeah, I don't think it's full page per se. Right, sorry, it's nine lines. Yeah, it's multi-line, but, right. um, you know, it, uh, I mean, the, the, the downside to the Canute versus a conventional Braille display is the uh, refresh speed of the, uh, right. of the Braille. Right, right. right. Um, it, it doesn't refresh as quickly as a, as a standard refreshable Braille uh, display does. But, uh, um, you know, for some people, they're not going to mind that that much. And, you know, they would like to have that computer connection, screen reader connection. So we'll see if they do it in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right. So, uh, thanks so much, Beth, for, uh, for the voicemail. We really appreciate it. We always love hearing from the listeners. Uh, so anybody else wants to drop us a line like that, uh, get their voice splattered all over the intranet, feel free to drop us, uh, drop us a file. Let's talk CSUN for a minute. Hey, Steve, how is CSUN? <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, there's that that old uh, Buddhist <laughs> saying about uh, the the what is it the the destination is not the point it's the journey. <laughs> <laughs> that was your journey. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, uh, short, <laughs> very very short. Okay, tell tell us what happened. Okay, so uh, so yeah, my uh, my flight uh, got delayed. So I was. I was on an Alaska flight, which I'd booked on points through my credit card. I was going from uh, Vancouver to Seattle and then Seattle to San Diego. Unfortunately, the plane that was coming to get me in Vancouver from Seattle, I guess it just does a run back and forth, Seattle, Vancouver. uh, It broke down in Seattle and it got delayed and delayed and delayed to the point where I wasn't going to make my connection. So I called up Alaska and said, hey, you know, I'm not going to make my connection. Can you put me on a later flight? They went, yes, absolutely, we can do that. And then they went, oh, you're, you're checked in for this flight. We're going to have to uncheck in for this flight, and then we'll, we'll make the change. You're going to have to check in again. It's like, okay. So they got all that switched away. I went online. I checked myself in for that, uh, that second leg of the flight. And when it came time to board, they scanned my ticket. They looked confused. <laughs> they scanned my ticket again. They continued to look confused. They tapped away on the computer and they went, oh, you're not checked in for this flight. It's like, well, but, but I'm here. <laughs> look, ticket. <laughs> so apparently somehow I got checked out for the first leg that I was actually in the airport waiting for. Right. Uh, and I'd only rechecked myself in on the second leg. So they said, well, we can get you there tomorrow, which would have got me in for like 4.30 on uh, Thursday. Thursday. And I was scheduled to fly home at 2.30 on Friday. So <laughs> there just wasn't, there wasn't much point in doing it. So I just canceled it, which turned into a whole other fiasco because I had booked <laughs> on points. But but that's another story for another day. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I never made CSUN. 
I missed, I missed all the fun and frivolity. Well, you know, and it's funny. I mean, I was following the, the Twitter feed for, for quite a while. Um, and to be honest, I, there wasn't that much coming there, out of there. No, there wasn't was, really any big news this year. No, I was really surprised. I was waiting for something, and I really didn't see anything either. Yeah, I saw, I saw a lot of talk about the Canute, as I mentioned. Uh, Ira. Ira got a lot of mentions. Yeah. A lot of people were, were excited about that, um, trying it out. Um, but other than that, I didn't really see much, uh, certainly nothing, no big announcements coming out of CSUN, which I don't know. Is that, is that unusual? Yeah. Usually there's a, you know, there's a few product releases and, you know, a little bit of hype going on around, around new stuff. But, uh, yeah, this year seems to have been kind of, kind of quiet hmm. you know it's it's like the industry is kind of moving away from from the big releases it shows these days um and maybe it's just that they uh maybe they feel that uh, there's there's too much getting released at the shows and maybe they're they're not getting noticed as much as they might as you know if they if they did their own release on their own schedule right i don't know i don't know but uh yeah. It, it could be too that there's just there's more coming out. There's there's you know, there are apps that are just coming out of nowhere all the time. Um so maybe they're just feeling like, you know, they're a little bit more strategic on on when they're going to release product announcements and they're not so so fixed on, oh, you know what, we have to release at CSUN. It, it's hard to say. Yeah. That's in Anaheim next year. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Disneyland, <laughs> yep. I mean CSUN. We should all go. Yeah, we should. Well, you know what'll be the bonus about that is it'll be much easier to get to because mm-hmm. everybody flies direct to Anaheim. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. No kidding. For sure. Huh. How long has it been in San Diego? Oh, gosh. Uh, 10 years? Hmm. Maybe. I don't know. Where was it before that? LA. Oh, yeah. Right right near the uh, See, LAX funny. airport. Hmm. Well, there you go. Maybe we'll maybe we'll be there in our own AT banther 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 <laughs> AT banter booth. <laughs> Say that twelve times. AT banter booth. Uh, maybe we we'll just have a mic and a mixer set up. Yeah, we could do live recording live from the floor of CSUN. I'm not paying for a booth. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Those booths so we can harass people going by. Well, just think of the, think of the overall cost. The hotel's prices jump six hundred percent. For the three days you're there. Really? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, just book on points. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> all right, fine. Uh, all right. So that's out of the way. Let's uh, let's get to some of these news articles. Now, these first couple that uh, that I want to talk about, they're not they're not AT specific, um, but they're about I think things that that sort of um, impact, uh, AT a little bit. Uh, and the first one is, uh, did you guys hear about this, um, this Uber driverless car that ended up killing a pedestrian in Arizona last week? Yes. Yeah. So for those people who aren't familiar with it, uh, what happened was Uber had a self-driving car, um, that was, uh, occupied by a driver, but it was, it was in autonomous mode. Uh, driving down the uh, down a highway in the evening, uh, there was a woman, a 49-year-old, who was crossing the street on a bike. She was walking the bike across. Or the she street. was walking. That's right. Yeah. She was walking the bike across the street, and the yeah, the car just uh, just hit her. Schmucked. Killed killed her. 
Um, they released the um, the dash cam footage uh, last week, and uh, which I don't know if you guys watched, but no. it was yeah, it was it was. I mean, you don't see necessarily see the point of, <coughs> of impact. You don't see that um, the camera cuts out, you know, just as that. Mm-hmm. But you do. You can clearly see her in the road, and you can see the car approaching. Well, the main question I had regarding this whole story is why wasn't this safety driver able to override the controls? Was there, he, there was no time. There, there, I mean, there was literally... What, he didn't see the person in the intersection? Yeah, it was a, it was a she. It or was a she. A, um, I guess this person just stepped out. Oh, I see. In, in front of the car at the oh, last okay. minute. And, uh, yeah, but what, what the, what the, both the, the I guess the, they're, they're analyzing the, the data, mm-hmm. um, and they're looking at, obviously looking at the dash cam footage, and... Um, it's come out that, you know, really the car had the time to respond to the person in the road. It should, the sensors would have picked her up. Right. Um, but it should have braked. It should have, it, it didn't react. Yeah. Exactly. So um, the question is why, of course. Hmm. Um, so, of course, you know, Uber has suspended all their, um, you know, their autonomous cars uh, for the moment. Um, I believe some of the other companies that are doing the same have, have done the same. Um, I guess my question to you guys is, uh, you know, what do you think? Is this going to, is this going to severely impact, um, the, the development of this technology? What's, what's going on here? Well, I think this is what the second, um, second time it's happened to one of the Uber, um, cars, um, in a year. Yeah, that's right. Wasn't there a, there was a, there was a, so, wasn't there a Tesla car that, that crashed and ended up killing the well, is occupant? That, there's, there's that one as well. But, um, but I think this is the second time that it's happened to one of the Uber cars. Is that right? Okay. Um, and it, if, if indeed that is the second time in a year, they, they've got an awful lot of safe driving hours on the various cars that they've been running. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I'd be, I'd be curious to know how many, regular uber drivers there are who've been in accidents in that same time sure i would i would suggest that although yes this is a tragic event um for the most part those cars are performing quite admirably so will it be a bump in the road so to speak um sure um you know obviously they want to find out exactly why that happened why why the car didn't respond that's you know, they're, they're going to have to figure that bit out. But I think once they do, um, you know, they'll be right back to it. Well, and I think, you know, the only way they're going to get, you know, real life testing is by putting them on real life roads with people, dogs, bikes, you know, mm-hmm. real life events going on around it. You know, unfortunately, these things will happen. You know, how many times do we hear our own governments talking about distracted driving laws? Yeah. You know, you people behind the wheel are really really well, bad <laughs> and you bring up a good point i mean you look at the you look at the dash cam footage and you know i'm not sure that i mean she was going i think it, they said 38 miles an hour yeah so i don't know that even if there was somebody in control of that car i don't know that that accident would have been avoidable yeah because uh, she because have... you know it's it's dark the the road is not lit it's not like you're able to see this woman crossing, you know, from a distance. Mm-hmm. It really is just like a, a like a, a split second where you know the car just comes up on her. 
So I don't, I don't think that if, if the, you know, the driver had been in control, I, I don't think the outcome would have been necessarily any different. Well, and I think too, you know, keep in mind, computers can react much faster than people can. Exactly. So, you know, the chances are if everything was working properly, it could have been avoided. Well, that, and that's, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, the, the car would have seen her on the road. And I guess that's the big question is as to where, what was that point of failure? Where, where did things go wrong? Why didn't the, why didn't the car respond? So uh, it, it will be interesting to, to see what the results of that are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I look at it, you know, look at the, at the uh, infancy of, uh, you know, sort of flight. Mm-hmm. You know, how many plane crashes have there been over the years? And, you know, the result isn't, you know, you don't shut, completely shut down air traffic or say that it's too dangerous and, and you know, we're not going to develop that technology. You go, you figure out what went wrong, you fix it, and then you move forward. So... You know, hopefully that's that's what we're looking for and, and not, you know, I, I think that people tend to demonize the idea of an autonomous car and they're, they're, they're just, they're afraid of this technology in some ways. My concern is hoping that Ford, GM, Toyota, all the manufacturers have some sort of protocol because right now I don't think there's any standards. So can all these cars communicate with each other? If not, we're in for a world of hurt. Actually, we're in a world of hurt if they all start communicating <laughs> each other. I mean, do you see that old 80s movie, Maximum Overdrive? Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> we don't want them talking to each other. <laughs> uh, all right, moving on. Let's talk about Facebook. Let's talk about Facebook. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, according to Reuters, uh, Reuters published an article over the weekend that according to opinion polls that were published on Sunday in the U.S. and Germany, uh, fewer than half of Americans trust Facebook to obey U.S. privacy laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, Germany's largest selling Sunday paper found that 60% of Germans fear that Facebook and other social networks are having a negative impact on democracy. So... This whole Cambridge Analytica thing. Um, it's you know, not just it, them, though. No. There's also a company on the island, on, in Vancouver Island in Victoria, I think. I did not hear It was this. on the news last night that they believe some of their data was breached. The flip side of this is that they've also determined that in the past two weeks, the average person's usage of Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram hasn't really been severely impacted. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, People may feel like this, but it seems to be that they're still, you know, still using it. There are big companies that are pulling their ads from Facebook, though. So financially, it could hurt them in the long run. Well, their, their stock has taken a, a crap kicking for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah their, but, stock, their stock plummeted after this. Now, I expect it's going to rebound. Hmm. Sure. Because let's face it, Facebook is a hugely popular mm-hmm. platform. And even though people are... are going to be concerned about their privacy um you know there there's there's lessons being learned along with this um you know for for starters all of those little quizzes you know it's like <laughs> hey what's your what's your wizard name mm-hmm. you know and you right. answer 10 sure. questions that that gives your information to that mm-hmm. app yes. and the the app developer gets your information every time you go and you you sign up for one of those things you're you're giving away that information yeah. i actually went on there was a uh, there was an article that somebody posted on how to go in and and 
check the apps that have access to your personal information on Facebook. So you can go into settings, you can go into app permissions, and you can look at the list of apps you've given permission to have your personal information. And um, I was I was quite surprised to discover because you know I've I've never actually gone in there, but I had like forty apps (laughs) that that I had signed up for different you know different things you Mm -hmm. know. Um, Things like uh, Runkeeper, you know, uh, it's right. a, it's an app that keeps track of your of your uh, walking and jogging, um, you know, that that had my information, you know, and and it, you know, again, I signed up for it, you know, mm-hmm. it just never occurred to me really that, that right. I'd be giving them personal information just by signing up for it. So, um, yeah, so definitely go into your uh, your app settings and uh, have a look see at the uh, the list of apps that you've allowed if you're on Facebook. You can also download your data too, your, your data that's right. archive, yeah, which I actually did this right. morning. Oh, did you? I haven't looked at it all yet, yeah. but I downloaded mine just because I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious about mine too. I got to do that one of these days. Now, it, I hadn't really seen an article that, that dove real deep into what these guys actually did and how this all worked. Um, a lot of the articles that, that I saw was just would just say things like your data and like it wasn't really talking about how exactly they were using the data or what data. And last night I, I watched uh, something on CNN that kind of really broke it down for me and fake news. And it is <laughs> no, it's not fake news. And it is it is really insidious. Like so, from what I understand, and I, I may get some of this wrong, but so what happened was. So this guy develops this app and it's a personality test and it's, it's basically, you know, a bunch of statements and then you would, you know, would, um, rate that statement as, you know, strongly agree or strongly disagree, you know, and, and all the sort of the, the gradients in between. Um, and it would, it'd be things like, you know, I, I'm comfortable in a social setting or, you know, or I like to spend Fridays at home watching Netflix. It, it was just, it's a personality test to sort of see how, you know, how extroverted or introverted you are or, you know, that sort of thing. And then it gave you like a percentage at the end where you're like, oh, you're 60% an introvert <laughs> and things like that. So what it did is it took that data of the whatever the 300,000 people signed up for the app I think it said and did the and 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 did it and then they they took that data and then they they compared it to all their likes their likes what they liked on Facebook what groups they were in and then they they sort of built a matrix where it was kind of like oh you know what people who are introverted are into whatever folk music Whereas people who are, you know, extroverted are into whatever, um, you know, people who are into this. And so they were able to sort of build a personality profile based on your likes and those people's likes and those people's pages that they were attached to. And then where it gets really shady is that, of course, then the app went in and scraped the data of all the people who's, who did the, 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 uh, the quiz scraped all their friends' data, all their likes and everything. So they, essentially they were able to build personality profiles just based on on likes and groups of 50 million people. Right. So these other friends, these friends of friends who, even op, didn't even opt into the survey. They, they didn't opt into the survey, no but option. they may as well have done it. Yeah. Right? That's where it gets dicey. And then, of course, then they were able to weaponize that all that data and, you know, use it, you know, for example, for they, they took credit for, you know, the Trump campaign. And so th- that's, I think, 
the 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 big epiphany for me is that you know you kind of look at your facebook profile and you go well there's nothing here mm-hmm. like what are they going to get like who cares if i you know what i you know i've i've liked bruce springsteen like big deal like what what are they going to do with that but i guess for me i am realizing that there is something that they can do with that like they're they're there, there is a currency to all that that information that we may not even realize. It may feel like innocuous information, but uh, you know, it's it's not. Data is gold. You know, look at look at Google. Google's whole mandate is to get you to use their search, and every time you type in a string of text to search, all that data is gold. Yeah, well, and absolutely. they can market to you. It's just like when you walk into a mall, walk into a store, the first thing they ask you is, do you have an email address? You know, everybody wants your data. Yeah, absolutely. But not only that, like it's it's different, like marketing and, you know, as speaking as, you know, a guy in marketing, uh, it's a bit of a, a double-edged sword for me because, you know, the first rule of marketing is, yeah, the more information that you have about your target audience, the more effectively you can market to those people. Um, but I don't like this stuff, this stuff takes it to an, an extreme. Like this is like, like y- your activity on the internet right now is, is sort of equatable to when you step outside your doorstep, if there was a drone with a camera that just <laughs> followed you around all day and, you know, recorded what stores you went into, you know, where you went, all your conversations, like it, it's, it's almost like that. And well, that's creepy. Well, and I think, you know, coming back to the Facebook thing, like you said, you know, it scraped not just your account, but your friend's account well, without them even knowing. Yeah. And, and that's why, you know, and, and yes, granted, you know, Facebook closed that. That was a loophole. Mm-hmm. You know, what, when did this happen? 2014, I think is I when think the, so. is when the app was, was published and all this happened, yeah. um, when the data was acquired and then they've, you know, they've since closed that loophole and apparently they did ask, uh, I don't, I don't know if they asked the app developer or, or Cambridge, but they asked somebody like, you know, yeah, could you guys, you know, please, you know, just delete all that data yeah. that you just, you just took, <clears throat> um, you know, so it wasn't like, I don't know, I guess it wasn't that they did nothing. They didn't do enough, certainly. And I think it is a bit of a breach of privacy, but, you know, I, I, I guess it, it just, it does remind you that. There's no privacy online. <laughs> I, well, but uh, yeah, but. There, there really isn't but, anymore. No, there isn't. No. But, I, and, and, but people are going to say, you know, well, what do you expect? You know, should we have privacy online? I mean, that's that's what what some people will counter with. But I honestly, I, I mean, pri- privacy at this point is an illusion. There, there's no such thing anymore. Your web browsers have been tracking you since what? IE three, <laughs> four, <Yeah. laughs> and it's not it's not just online either. No. I mean, your your interact card. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Every every time you do a debit transaction, that data gets stored by the Interact people. Why are they doing that? Well, so they can advertise to you. Absolutely. And so they can sell your consumer information to people who want to advertise to you. Your air miles card. Do you, do you collect air miles? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's yeah. Oh, same sure. thing. If you've got a, if you've got a save on card or you've got, you yeah. know, any sort of uh, discount, um, you know, grocery points store, cards. all that mm-hmm. data, oh, yeah, all those points cards, they track all that data. All that data is going somewhere. It's sitting somewhere. And I think that that's what sort of is, is uneasy to me is that you not knowing where that data is going to be or who might be using it and for what purpose, that's more concerning than I'm worried about 
you know, uh, somebody's going to, you know, see what I'm doing online at any given point, although that does worry me. But uh, <laughs> think, think about this. How would you like to meet one of the guys who's at the top of top of Google? Would you like to meet a guy who, who was, you know, upper echelon of Google? Sure. Because I don't think I would. Why? Because before that meeting, that guy oh, I see. is going to be able saying. to look yeah, at you're right. every you're right. damn thing about you. <laughs> Everything. It's like, oh, I got this meeting with this Steve guy That's today. Let's, let's go see what uh, what he's been Googling. Oh, Steve. Jeez. Yeah. Oh, oh. He's into sci-fi bulldogs. And, oh, my God. What is this? <laughs> That's some uh, interesting yeah, porn that... tastes you got there, Steve. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, you just you'd meet him and he'd have that real smug look on his face. <laughs> uh huh. Um, yeah. So, you know, and again, this isn't really AT related, but you know, we we often tout the the all the positive parts of of social networks and and how much it means to. Um, you know, the, the disability community and for, you know, how useful it is for building connections and community. Well, we've also talked about, you know, how, you know, our generation are kind of still the only people using Facebook. The younger generation, they've all switched over to Snapchat, uh, you know, other social networks. Yes. And where, which where, all do the same thing. Yes and no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They do the same thing. But where, where would you go if everybody decided to close Facebook? Google Plus? No. Like, what's the alternative? Well, that and well, and that's the thing. I mean, there really is no alternative at the moment. That that could change. Yes. I mean, I'm sure there was a time where MySpace thought, you know what, we got this. Yeah. We got this. We are the king. Nothing's going to ever unseat us. <laughs> um, you know, granted, Facebook's you know been around for for quite a while and has been well established for quite a while. So it's going to be hard for it to get knocked off. But I mean, I don't know that it necessarily deserves to be knocked off. I don't. I don't think that. You know, on paper, this it, it's a bad thing at all. I mean, you know, again, we we always talk about how all all the positive effects that that uh, social networking has has had for advocacy groups. Well, they're saying though it's it's <clears throat> it was developed to its main development was to basically give you the same type of dopamine effects, right? It's it's an addiction for people. The more likes you get, it triggers the same stimulate in the brain to give you that euphoric sensation sure. right so you know there's a lot of stuff going on with facebook and other social media stuff over and above just you know data breaches yeah well and it's, i guess that you know and exactly I, I think that what facebook needs i think is, is some some radical uh revisions you know i i think they need to look at some of this stuff a little bit better i mean you know, it would be nice, again, if, you know, business always kind of ruins everything, <laughs> you know, you know, we have something great. We have, have a way to bring people closer together and to, to, to build communities online. And then, you know, marketers and businesses just find a way to ruin it <laughs> for everybody. Um, because I don't like, I just, I think at its core, these are all great ideals. It's just that this, this data collection um, needs to be way more transparent. Uh, they need to be really clear on what they're asking people. And, you know, as a marketer, that, sh that should be, you know, a, a consideration. You shouldn't want, you know, data that somebody w hasn't expressly given you. Um, 
you know, if somebody wants to give you what their age is and what products they're interested in, that's one thing, man. That's great to be able to take that and use that to market better. But, you know, when you're, when you're doing these, these, these black ops where you're just, you're just scraping every piece of, of information that you can from, from people who don't even know that they're sharing that information, see, that's where it gets sketchy for me. Agreed. So I, it'll be interesting. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I know that, uh, you know, hashtag delete Facebook has been has been trending on on Twitter the last little bit. Well, there's lawsuit against I, Facebook. I right don't know. Now. I, I, I have my doubts as to if that's I, Facebook is just too entrenched in, in people's day to day lives to really so. make an impact. Um, but what hopefully will happen is uh, maybe maybe their stock dropping and maybe getting some some bad press will make them realize that they need to be way more transparent um, with uh, with what's what data is being shared. I'm going to call it now. Next what? social network, it's going to be on Amazon. You're yeah. going to be able to share your stuff with shoppers. You're going to be able to communicate with your, your stores. It's going to be a whole network of people okay. sharing information. We'll check back this time next year and see if you're right. <laughs> you have anything you want to say to 2019, Ryan? <laughs> Wow, you're looking gray. <laughs> That's from working with me. <laughs> Speaking of working with you, what? Like I was going to ask you guys this. Since Aroga went out of business, mm -hmm. I've lost almost 13 pounds. How? And gone, well, I'm not eating out every day. Oh, good point. And gone from like a size 40 jeans, yes, I said that online, down to a 36. So how fat was I? Well, I must have been huge. <laughs> I don't want to say huge. I don't want to say you were fat, but when you laid around the office, you laid around the office. <laughs> I was a little shocked. <laughs> a little shocked when I stepped on the scale. Went, wow, in a year, what a change! Huh? That's interesting. Yeah. So that's just you know, no no subway fries, every day. no onion rings, no subway. No, no, no. You know what it was? No Bur Burger King. Burger poutine. Kings. Yeah, none of that eating out every day. Oh, yeah, Burger that, King poutine. I know. I kind of oh. miss it. It's true. All right. <laughs> Skip breakfast on Thursday. It's Whopper went Whopper Thursday. There you go. <laughs> Whopper poutine. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's get. Let's dive into some actual AT news. Uh, we have actual AT news. Yeah, we do. No kidding. Bum, ba, da, bum, ba. New product uh, announcement from AT Banter. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, it's an exclusive. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> right. You, you heard it here first. Maybe, and if maybe. you did, that's because you weren't online. <laughs> maybe second. Uh, news okay. article links. Yeah, actually, we're, <laughs> we're looking it up on the Blind Bargains website. Yeah, so that's where yeah, I saw you, it. So that's you, where I grabbed the you link. Didn't, you didn't hear it here first. You heard, you heard it there first. Yeah. Okay, well, Ted. From Tangela Mahari? Don't know, but shout out Mahari. to Blind Bargains, fellow podcasters. They were at AT, at, they were at AT Banter. They were at CSUN. <laughs> were they? <laughs> Somebody made it. Thank God. <laughs> okay, take it away, Steve. What do they have to say? Well, the article, the title of the article on Blind, Be Blind Bargains is uh, Hims releases a new smaller version of BrailleSense Polaris Notetaker special pre-order price. Ooh. Yeah. So, yeah, 20 cell, uh, you know, Braille, uh, Braille keyboard. Uh, it's got a micro HDMI port, a USB-C port for charging as well as data transmission. And a 13 megapixel autofocus camera sensor for high quality photos. Really? 64 gigs of internal storage, 
supports uh, micro SD cards for further expansion, uh, supports uh, Wi Fi 802.11 AC dual band, uh, Bluetooth 4.2. Uh, yeah, so, and then, of course, it's got all the stuff that you would expect on a uh, Polaris. Uh, it's, uh, Which is an know. Android device running Google services. Exactamundo. Um, so, yeah. So now cool is, little dis, uh, device. Now, is that is that pretty common for them to, to just sort of release a sort of a miniature version of, uh, of an existing note taker? Have they done that before? Well, yeah, they had the uh, the U two mini. Okay, uh, right, of course. As well, so yeah, yeah, they've they've always had uh, their their big and their small. So now, is that is that mainly to to address price point, or is it is it a portability thing? Uh, it's probably a bit of both. Um, I mean, the smaller units are much more transportable for sure. Um, you know, easy to easy to stick in a purse or a pocket, and. Uh, um, you know, a lot easier than the, uh, the bigger 32 cell, uh, versions for sure. So, yeah. Um, and you know, paying for, you know, 12 less cells, right. You're, uh, you're saving yourself probably $1,200 right there. So, ouch. Now, well, what has your experience has been with the Polaris? Have you, have you guys liked them? I haven't spent a lot of time. I've got one, uh, as a, as a demo unit. Um, it's a it's a really nice uh, device. It's I mean just I, I really appreciate the design of it. It's it's um, you know if you put it side by side with the uh, the Humanware um, Braille Note Touch, Braille Note Touch um, it's it's a fair bit uh, smaller and lighter than mm-hmm. the Braille Note Touch. Um, you know I think uh, there there would probably be some back and forth on features that we could we could get into if we wanted to. Um, you know, there's certain things that I think the touch is maybe a little ahead on, particularly uh, when it comes to things like uh, like math uh, for school. But um, but I but I do like the uh, the design of it quite a bit. Um, you know, they're they're I think one generation newer on the uh, Android system, but mm-hmm. they're still an, an older, out of date Android system. I don't know. We'll uh, we'll have to see how it shakes out. Now, it was is it, does the article mention when it's coming out? Because you mentioned a pre-order. I, I'm assuming that it's not actually available Yeah, I, yet. I don't think it's actually released yet. I, I, I don't know that it said in the article. Uh, so, so well, they, according to the article, they say they've just released a smaller version of it. So maybe it is. It, the, the article does say that uh, the Mini will normally be sold for $41.95 U.S. Uh, right now it is on sale for $3,995 U.S. Zoinks. It's just yep. so expensive. Yeah, pricey. <laughs> but, you know, as I have been saying for years and years, the note-taker market is dead. Nobody, <laughs> nobody's ever going to make another note-taker. <laughs> nobody's ever going to buy another note-taker. I will continue to be wrong about this for years to come, I'm sure. Well, I think until there's a, a new Braille technology that, you know, changes the game, you yeah. know, th- oh. this isn't going to change. Yeah. There is no better Braille at this point. Canute. <laughs> but again, it's slower. Oh, sorry, I was sneezing. Sorry, let me pass you a tissue there. <laughs> yeah, know. no. You know what the other thing that... I, Scotty, let's go back to CSUN, but did you guys see anything about the Orbit Reader? No. Were, were they even there? I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't think see they anything. were supposed to be there. But But yeah, that's that strikes me as a bit weird too. Well, it's... It's really strange because a, I think it's APH in the U.S. has been selling the Orbit. And I reached out to the CNIB here in Canada, and 
asked them if they were selling it yet. And they said no, because there was an issue with it. But they wouldn't tell me what the issue is, and they couldn't give me a time frame. Which is really frustrating, because we've had people who have put deposits on the orbit for two years now. Yeah. We're still waiting here in Canada. You know, I've been tempted just to order one from the U.S. I'm sure others already have. But I'd like to get my hands on one and actually see it. And, yeah. You know, try it, play with it. So. Yeah. I don't know what the issue is. It's weird. It's weird. It's very. It's a strange, strange situation. Yeah, they they probably have to uh, adjust the speech for uh, for the Canadian market so it says a after everything. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh huh. All right, moving on. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, sex, baby. <laughs> I was just thinking stop. the same thing. Okay, I, I need to stop. Let's, okay, mental note to myself, stop saying, let's talk about let's talk blank. Because that's just going to go through you guys' head. Every time. Child yeah. of the 80s, I tell you. The pinnacle of music. It was. What was There's it? no who, better time. Who was that? That was, uh, uh, I don't even remember. Hey, who sang Let's Talk About Sex? Let's Talk About Sex was recorded by Salt and Peppa. There you go. Oh, God. Who could forget Salt and Peppa? <laughs> God. Uh, right. Here we it. go. <laughs> I want, now I want to hear a couple bars. Let's Ryan's do it. got the giggles. Hey, play Let's Talk About Sex by Salt and Peppa. Let's Talk About Sex by Salt and Peppa. Sure. Playing on Spotify. Is it Pepper or Peppa? I don't even know. It's Pepper. Spinderella cut it up one time. Okay. Yo, shut up. <laughs> Before we get wow, that was sued. Terrible. That's worse than I remembered. I think I only remember the chorus, clearly, but... Uh, salt and Peppa, where are you now? Maybe they're listening. Maybe. <laughs> I have to edit all that out. So we didn't get copyright strikes. I'll leave it in. Oh, well, we're just gonna get copyright get, strikes. No, no. I think I get think more it's, email. Uh, I think it's short enough that I think you uh, get 15 seconds. Yeah. All right, good. We're all right, okay. There you go. Yeah. If not, we'll get into cease and desist. Uh, <laughs> okay. Where were we? We got fan mail from Salt and Peppa. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Yeah, we can work that. Let's talk about ATs. Yeah. They sent us a letter that says, don't tell us to shut up. That's yeah. right. <laughs> All right. Next article is titled, Graduate Student Creating a Smartphone App for Deafblind Users. Uh, this is interesting. Uh, we've got a, a graduate student from uh, IUPUI, which I have no clue where that is. I think I might be in India. International University, University. of... Uh, yeah, penal implant. You don't know. <laughs> no, penal, penal upper I, implants. There I, we don't go. Even, I, I don't think this says. Yeah, I didn't. I just saw the headline and thought it was cool. So, so we'll just, I, let's so say India. What, what's the app wrong? Uh, well, the, the app is, is interesting. Uh, what it does is it turns letters into digital braille on the screen, and you use the app in conjunction with a glove that uh, features color-coded sensors, making it feel like the reader is actually reading raised Braille. So, you know, it's not an app on its own. It's You, you need to use it, I guess, with the glove, but it, it, it it's obviously for, for deaf-blind who can, you know, essentially access you know, digital game. content. 
Interesting. Yeah. Um, kind of a throwback to uh, almost the Opticon technology, only instead of just being raised dots for, for the shapes of letters, it's actually producing Braille. Interesting. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, there's a quote uh, from the from the developer that says, "In the future, everything is going to get digitized. To print one page of Braille is six times the cost to print on paper, so it's pretty expensive. So let's bring them into the digital world." So you know that th it does raise an interesting point. You know, if <laughs> six of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sorry, I've had a Braille joke in a long time. Yeah, indeed. Damn! Boom. Uh, where was it? <laughs> you derailed me. Uh, you're you're raising well, interesting points. I was raising interesting points. <laughs> yes, six of them. Um, is is that a potential you know technology that could actually replace actual physical braille? If if we can make say you know a glove or something that that recreates that you know reading braille on a off a piece of paper, is that something that you could see eventually replacing? No. Printed Braille. No? No. Why do, why do you say that? Because um, if you're running your fingers over top of a word and it's producing it instantly into Braille, odds are it's a letter-by-letter -letter translation and not contracted Braille. Okay. So I think most people are still going to want contracted Braille. I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they could throw you know some sort of translation in there and make it contracted Braille. There's lots of translation then of different codes. Then it wouldn't be instant. Mm, Touche. You'd have to scan an entire word before it would be able to translate that word and right. show it on the glove for you. So, mm. yeah, I don't see mm. it. I, you never know. Yeah. You never know. I mean, she's, she, you know, obviously the prototypes are still, she's still working on it. The app's not, you know, complete. In fact, I don't even, it doesn't even say here what the name of the app is, uh, just that it's being worked on. Um, but it's interesting. It brings out, you know, I, this is why I feel like apps and, and independent development is so, so driving the industry forward because you have all kinds of people who are working on all kinds of different things and you just never know when something is going to stick to the wall. I mean, this may be something that turns out just isn't, isn't going to work uh, for whatever reason, but then again, it might. So, you know, it's, it's an exciting time because uh, th there's just so many ideas floating around out there and with, with apps, uh, anybody can work on them. Yep. True enough. So. What else you got, Rob? Well, let's talk about. Sex, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was my turn. Yeah. Uh, what else? Whoa. Oh, hey. Here's a big, here's, here's something that, I don't know, might seem innocuous to some, but you know what? It's a, it's a step forward. Apple has proposed adding disability inclusive emojis to the Unicode consortium. That was just weird. You don't like this? No, I didn't say I don't like it. I just think, why do we need more emojis? That's a good question. Well, okay. Well, let me let me let me read you a little bit, and maybe this will change your mind, sir. So, emojis <laughs> of people using wheelchairs, service dogs, hearing aids, and more could be coming to your iPhone on Friday, last Friday. Apple submitted a proposal to the Unicode Consortium, the nonprofit that reviews requests for new emojis. Now, who even knew that existed? 
I, I want to sit on that. I want to like. You want to sit on the emoji panel? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, not, not <laughs> literally, but I think that would be amazing. How do you get? I don't know. Who do they? How do you get there? What do I need to have on my Practice. resume to get on the council that decides about new emojis? Well, clearly not lettering. <laughs> Anyways, I digress. Uh, the current selection of emoji provides a wide array of representations of people, activities, and objects meaningful to the general public. But very few speak to the life experiences of those with disability, Apple states in its proposal. At Apple, we believe that technology should be accessible to everyone and should provide an experience that serves individual needs. Adding emoji emblematic to users' life experiences helps foster a diverse culture that is inclusive of disability. That's a great statement right there. But uh, what do you guys think? Well, it sounded a lot like bullshit to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> clearly, clearly I've... I don't know. I just... Well, look, you guys are curmudgeons. No, I just... <laughs> okay, you know, go. It, as a blind person, yeah. if I bring up the emoji button... There's, how many emojis are there? So I'm going to have There's to flip, 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 flip. Well, that's, flip, that's flip. why you have to get to know the Unicode equivalent for it. Yeah, oh, that's okay. right. So You'd the wheelchair like is going to be capital I, lower I, left brace, question mark, <laughs> exclamation point L. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, correct. Yes. So, there you so go. I'm back to flip, 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 flip. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't see why we need more emojis. It, well, it, here's here's the thing, Ryan. I don't think it's about necessarily emoji. It's about it's about the idea behind it. It's about inclusivity. It's about inclusivity. It's about you know including including people with disabilities into the general conversation about anything. So why shouldn't there be? I mean, there, there, uh, there already is, the wheelchair symbol is in the Unicode Consortium. There is, a, there is an emoticon for, or an emoji for that. Um, they're just adding a few more. Already then. Already. Don't care. I don't use them, so <laughs> very rarely, if ever. Yeah. Breaking news. I, I know how to do a smiley face. So. <laughs> <laughs> is there a white cane emoji? Uh, you know what? Hold on. Because I don't you, have a I'll, service dog. I'll give you the list of them. Okay. The, hard and, the deaf and hard of hearing emojis will include a man and woman making the sign for deaf. A third will show an ear. Wait, 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 wait. What's the sign for deaf? Uh, I don't know. Uh, this. Basically pointing at your point, ear. Pointing at your ear. Yeah. Okay. The blind and low vision emojis include a man and a woman using a white cane All right. and a guide dog with a harness. All right. So that just means I can tell more people I'm blind. That's right. And for physical disabilities, they wanted to use people using wheelchairs and electric chairs, as well as images of a prosthetic arm and leg. Hmm. For hidden disabilities, they propose a service dog with a vest because service dogs are used for various disabilities and disorders such as epilepsy and PTD. SD. Yes. PTSD. So there you go. That's the that's their pr proposition for for new emojis. I say sure, why not? Ryan and Steve, they don't really care. Don't care. Cuz I don't know, we're not we're not the, we're also not the emoji generation. No, we're not the emoji generation, that's true. Um are we the Pepsi generation? I guess so. Uh, I prefer Coke, but okay. Have you seen there's a Coke Pepsi documentary on Netflix? Is there? Is what's there? it called? Mm -hmm. I think it's called the, the Cola Wars. Ah. It should be called, it all tastes like malted battery acid. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen your spoon? <laughs> yeah, really. 
Uh, all right, moving along. Microsoft adding new accessibility improvements in Windows 10. Yay. Now, we talked a little bit about this last week, uh, but I thought maybe we'd dive a little bit deeper into it uh, to talk a little bit about And I've got a question for you guys because I, w- I want to hear your opinion. But uh, before, before I get to that, uh, let's just go through the list of what Microsoft is saying they're going to improve in the coming year in Windows 10. <laughs> Uh, so the first thing is improvements coming to narrator. They're saying it's going to be faster and more accurate in some of the core windows apps and work works better with windows 10 (coughs) Microsoft edge browser, which we talked a little bit about last week. They are also making it easier to navigate windows with eye control and they're introducing improvements to making some of the more important controls like accessing the start menu a lot faster by just using your your eye gaze. Hmm. Uh, Lastly, they also say that they're working to bring text suggestions to hardware keyboards in Windows 10, which will show automatic word suggestions for those with a hardware keyboard. Support for uh, text suggestions with hardware keyboards will first arrive for English, and the company hopes to bring support for multiple languages in the future. So, you know, good for learning disabilities and such. Like, you know, that sort of ties into a little bit about... Good good for anybody who's a, a slow typist, really. Sure. Yeah. So those are the big ones. So uh, what I wanted to ask you guys is this. Do you, th- do you see a time when the built-in screen readers for both Windows, for iOS, for Android, do you see a time when they may be a legitimate replacement for screen readers no and never you don't ever see that ha- being able to happen no not because they seem to be inc- they, they seem to be constantly improving within their own operating system yeah yeah and, and I, I think the big difference between a built-in screen reader and a commercial screen reader is customizability until the built-in screen readers offer things like a scripting language, um, I don't I don't see them taking over from the commercial screen readers because people people have specific custom applications that they need to access in work situations, and the only way to do that oftentimes is to have um, scripts written for it. So there's there's always going to be a place I think for the commercial screen reader until such point that the built-in ones offer features like that, and I just don't see them well, sure, stepping up to that plate. Yeah, and they would never do that. I they mean, could never support honest, that. They, yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll never they'll never release a scripting language that would allow you to, to custom customize your anything in your in your operating system. Yeah, you know the other thing that kind of caught caught my eye too, haha, is you know they're having better support for Edge, their own browser, mm-hmm. which does, it's it's still not fully supported with Narrator, which is their own screen reader yeah and it's been two years of development so far for mvda and freedom scientific to get jaws to the point where they're at now Mm -hmm. which still isn't fully supported so you know the other thing microsoft has done is they're releasing new version of windows called s mode so you'll be able to get windows professional and it has a switch built in that you can switch to s mode which basically locks the system down so you can only install basically microsoft apps or approved apps <clears throat> now that's all fine and dandy, but you know you're not going to be able to install stuff like Chrome or maybe some of the different 
third-party programs you need to use on a regular basis. So, you know, we're facing an uphill battle. You know, I applaud Microsoft for all the accessibility efforts they're putting into their programs. But at the same time, I think they're causing more work for the other screen reader in the industry to maintain compatibility and support. Hmm, so it's kind of a, a catch-22. You know, every time they reinvent themselves, the VFOs, the MBDAs, the Ceratex have to go back and, you know, do what they can to be compatible. And, you know, they're, they all say they're, they're talking to each other all the time. But, you know, as I mentioned last week, there's a new version of Windows coming out in April sometime. And their screen readers have to come up with an update to support whatever new features are going to be included. So it's always a it's always a battle to stay up to date. Yeah, it's a moving target. It really is. Hmm. Interesting. <clears throat> so I applaud them. You know, I really do. Microsoft has done a lot of work in accessibility. Yep. You know, they're at CSUN and yeah. You know, they're they're floating all the work they're doing. And and yeah, and granted, they are they are doing a lot of really great stuff. So the one thing I was going to add about Microsoft as well that I read in that article is finally we'll have access to safe mode. Now, I don't know how many times in the past, you know, I guess because of my computer tinkering and registry edits <laughs> and stuff like that, I've needed to get into safe mode. But JAWS doesn't work in safe mode. NVDA, I'm not sure of. I saw that there's a script or a utility you can get to make it work, but I don't think it does by default. I don't believe system access does. So at least having narrator would give me the option to go into safe mode and actually maybe recover my PC if I needed to. Yeah. So get on them. Yeah, you could also stop dicking around with your computer. <laughs> I mean, that's that's, that's a, no fun. That is an option. <clears throat> just saying. No. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, I guess uh, it'll 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 be interesting to see what uh, when these changes uh, occur. What I'd like to see is a blog post of somebody who has actually tried using Narrator for thirty days as their go-to screen reader. Yeah, you well, know. I think that's a great blog idea. Ryan, do it. <laughs> do it, and I'll write up the blog post. It'll be a great, it'll be a good blog. I'm serious. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, so you want somebody else to take the 30-day narrator challenge, but <laughs> that's right. you're not going to do it. All right, well, let's wait till the next version of Windows comes out next, well, next month, so the next few weeks. How about we do a 30-hour there you go. 30, hour. 30 days <laughs> might be a little see if you long. Can do it. See if you can do it for 30 hours. Yeah, I think that's uh, probably maybe. a good yeah. enough. A day with narrator. <clears throat> or just do two days or something. Yeah. 48 hours. 48 hours with narrator. And we'll write go. it up. Okay. All right. But not until the new version comes out. Okay, fine. We'll do it until the new version comes <laughs> out. Then I'll have the new features. All right. Mr. New Features. What else you got, Rob? Okay, one more. Last, last uh, article. Uh, it's about our good friends at Ira, who, like I said, were they were all over CSUN, just all over it. I, I I don't know how many articles I read about people using it and just loving oh, it. Oh, more and more and more and more people are using Ira, and they've got it. I don't know what your news article is, but they have a new product that they are releasing shortly too, in the next couple months. Yeah, this might be this might be what it, it what it, I, this might mention it, or this might be it. I, I'm not sure. It's part of it, I think. Yeah, You're, are you talking about the new glasses? The Horizon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is partly to do with it, but uh, no. The article's uh, AT and T collaborates with Ira to develop new AI powered prescription medication reader. 
So this is the announcement. It came out. It actually, this announcement was from earlier in the month, but uh, AT&T and Ira are developing and testing a solution designed to help people who are blind or have low vision better manage their prescription medication. The companies are working through the AT&T Foundry to develop the solution. Uh, so it looks like basically what this is, is it uses the... Now, the next generation of Ira glasses uh, are going to have AI built into them, which they're calling Hey Chloe. Have you heard about this, Ryan? No. Hey, hey Chloe, it looks like it's just, it's going to be their own version of a digital assistant. Um, now, using what, what this is going to be able to do is that using this built-in AI, somebody will be able to look at their prescription medication, say, Hey Chloe, you know, what am I looking at or whatever, and... I'm assuming the glasses will be able to OCR the, the, the label and actually tell them what they're looking at. So it would be able to read their prescription labels to them. That'd be gnar- neato and gnarly. That'll be interesting because of the curvature of, of bottles. It'll be interesting to see how accurate it actually is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, let me just read what they say. They say, Ira's medication reader will be available for use in conjunction with the Ira Horizon smart glasses. Ira's next generation wearable using voice first technology available in May. Ira horizon (laughs) smart glasses have built in Hey Chloe functionality and will come paired with an Ira dedicated smartphone powered by AT&T unlocking Ira's technology for the 58% of U S citizen seniors who do not currently own a smartphone. Horizon will provide an integrated connected solution that enables people who are blind or have low vision to take advantage of the IRA service, regardless of whether they already own a smartphone. Now, actually, that's the real interesting part of, the, I think, the article. I mean, I think the prescription the prescription reader is neat. Uh, it's, a, it's a great idea, and it's, it's a great uh, function of those glasses. But I guess what I want to talk about is this next generation of, of glasses, because I, I had not heard about this. Well, you know, I listened to Jonathan Mosin's a radio show on Mushroom FM and the, his Blindside podcast, and he raved and ranted about Ira um, on his show yesterday. But supposedly, they have a much wilder field of view. Wilder? Wider wilder. field of view. And I'm not sure what that field of view is. But they've, they've done a lot of research and found that, you know, that the market for seniors is huge that don't have smartphones which prompted, you know, this product, the Horizon coming out with, with the Samsung phone. But also the, the veterans associations, the, the rehab centers in the U.S., you know, are probably going to adopt all this technology. IRA is game-changing for seniors or people who need that assistance in their homes. You know, not even just in their homes, but, you know, I, I could actually use IRA and they would guide me out to the garbage can out in a parking lot, and I'd know the difference between which one's the recycling and which is the dumpster, you know. Now, are you talking about using the... <clears throat> the glasses. You, you, but, but you're talking about using the built-in AI in the next gen, or are you talking about... No, the, about, uh, the live agent. You're talking about the live agent. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. But, yeah, and I think, the, the you know, if, if, if it was me, uh, I think that, you know, every single person... Uh, could benefit from having having a subscription, even if it's the the base subscription of uh, I think you get a hundred minutes for eighty bucks a month. Eighty, yeah, US. US I'm assuming, yeah. yeah. 
um, just to fill in those gaps, just for the, those times when you might need it. I mean, I don't see it as it's by no means a complete solution um, because it would just unless unless you have the money to blow. But I mean, if you if you have the broadband, you have the data, you can afford, you know, whatever the the unlimited number of minutes a month mm-hmm. plan, which is I think it's something like 300 bucks a month, I think, for for unlimited minutes. I mean, if you if you have the means for all that, great. But otherwise, you know, I think that it's a good solution for people who come up against those things on a day-to-day basis that they just, they they need assistance for. Um, well, even if, you know, you've got O&M skills and you want to, and you're traveling on your own and you want to bring up a live agent to guide you through an airport, you know, can you get me to the front desk? Can you get me to security? You know, they'll, they'll walk you there. They'll guide you there all virtually. Sure. Sure. You know, and, and, but I think that for, it seems to me that it's a, it's a last resort method. I mean, I, I think that it's never going to replace O&M. It's never no, going to no, replace, no, no. you know, I, I, for me, the way I, I see all this is that stuff like beacon technology, uh, you know, O&M, uh, GPS apps, all those should all work and, and IRA, all those will work together to eventually give visually impaired people a doorstep to doorstep solution to be able to just navigate independently and just be able to sort of, you know, do anything that, that somebody who's not visually impaired can do. One example Jonathan gave, and, you know, hey, shout out to Jonathan, but when he was at CSUN, he, he got there early because he had to meet with a couple of guys and he made his, using IR, he made his way to the conference room, the door was locked. So yeah, he could have used his cane and, you know, banged around to see if he could get somebody's attention to come and help him. But he brought up Ira, uh, the app on, he had on his phone because he didn't have the glasses. And he scanned around and to his left was a desk with somebody behind it who the agent told him, okay, there's a desk to your left with something with a man behind it. And, you know, without that assistance, Jonathan wouldn't have known that there was actually somebody there unless he made himself known to, you know, unlock the door for him and let him in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things that Ira can do for you that your cane and your dog will miss all the time. Yeah. So it's a game changer. It's it's an enabler. Yeah, it's a very you cool know, service. It really is. You know, I also heard a report, I think a couple months ago, that it actually will work with Rogers here in Canada. So if there's some small pockets in Canada that it's working in as well. But now, but I want to go back to talk a little bit about this this built-in AI that's coming in this next generation because I feel like that that you know <laughs> we haven't really talked about, but I feel like th- that can be a real co- important component of this as well uh, because if the glasses are able to um, sort things out without actually having to contact an agent, um, that's uh, that's that's pretty major too I think. Yeah. But it depends on how well it works. Yeah, you know, well, you look at what Microsoft did with seeing seeing AI. AI. Um, you know, they've got their short text, they've got color recognition, they've got, you know, face identification, they've got all these new channels that you can access, handwriting recognition, you know, and they kind of, you know, changed the face of apps on iOS for accessibility for us who are blind, low vision, just to have, you know, that, that quick information AI is still in 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 its infancy. 
Yeah. And so, yeah, depending on how it, how it's released, what its features are, you know, it could really, you know, change the way we interface with the atoms around us. Until the AI turns evil. And then we, <laughs> and then we all know how that ends up. Yep. <laughs> well, that's the concern, right? Uh, where do you draw the line? Where, where do we stop AI? Uh, killer robots. Yeah. yeah, killer robots. I think that's where. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anything else to talk about that? Anything else you guys want to mention about, uh, about Ira? Nope. No, I actually, you know, I think we should, I should try and find somebody who is using Ira on a regular basis and get them on the show. Would, yeah, I would experience. love to, I would love to, we, you know, we should re, definitely reach out uh, to somebody and, and uh, I mean, we did talk to... Um, oh, Eric Manser. Yeah, that's right. We talked to Eric Manser about his experiences with it, uh, running a marathon. And uh, I mean, that was, that was fairly early on. So yep. it'd be interesting to revisit those guys and... And uh, who knows, maybe our good buddy uh, Greg Stilson would talk to us about it. I did see an article the other day of um, uh, our uh, chef, um, what's her name? Um, Christine Ha. Christine Ha. She's been using it. Oh, is she? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah okay. a lot of whole, uh, low, uh, high profile, you know, blind users have been have been talking about it. Jonathan Mosin, mm-hmm. Christine Ha. Hmm. Um, so, uh, you know, and like I said, we, we had a report, uh, last week there about the airports that have started, yep. a pilot program to, yep. to offer free minutes to people who are within the airport. So, uh, yeah, it's really gaining some traction, it seems. So wearables, man, that's where it's at. It's the new orange. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. That's it. That's it. That is it. That, we're, we're, that's the whole thing. I think so. Everything. That's, we've that's done, everything. we've done all the articles. Yeah. All righty. Well, good day, eh? <laughs> good segue. <laughs> All right. All so. right. Anything else? And do we miss anything? Anything, anything else that anything. anyone else wants to talk about? Uh, hey, Ryan. Rob. Where can people find us? As usual, at atbanter.com. They can also drop us an email or a voicemail, atbanterpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, you can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. We are out there. So is all our information. <laughs> indeed. Help, help us build a profile. <laughs> That's right. I'd hate to see my personality profile, actually. I wonder if I was one of the 30 million, 50 million. Who knows? Who knows? I wonder, yeah, I wonder, I should, I should really, where do you, Ryan, you have to send me the link to where you can download. I'll just send you the article I found. Data. Yeah. I'll probably be hiding under a rock after I look at it. <laughs> uh, where were we? Uh, hey, Steve. Yeah. Where can people find Canadian Assistive Technology? Well, Canadian Assistive Technology is online at www.canastech.com. You can also email me at steve at canastech.com for all of your assistive technology needs. Uh, what about Mr. Rick Chan? Well, Mr. Rick Chant, the man who repairs all kinds of assistive technology, is, uh, Rick can be found at chaostechnicalservices.com. That's C-H-A-O-S for chaos. And uh, he can be emailed at chaostech at shaw.ca. And what's, what's he do there? He repairs things. Okay, excellent. All kinds of assistive technology thingies. All right. Well, thanks again, everybody, for hanging with us for another episode. Uh, Don't forget, if you like the podcast, don't forget to give us a like on iTunes. It helps us out. 
otherwise, uh, I think that's going to do it for us. So we're going to see you next week. But also, I've been Rob Minow. And I've been Steve Barkley. And I've been Ryan Fleury. And we will see everybody next week. Bye. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com. Music provided by bensound.com. 